2: For Kia, the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV, available now at your nearest Kia dealer.
3: Right across South Australia, welcome to the summer edition of Sports Day SA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. You'll hear Sports Day SA every weeknight at 6pm. With me, Paul Bonza, and alongside me tonight, Adam Cooney, the Brownlow medalist. Coons, welcome back. Hey Bonds, happy Monday, how was yes. your weekend? Action packed, did you hit up a lot of sport? Uh, I did, I watched a little bit on Saturday and then yesterday I commentated the WNCL game between South Australia and Queensland, which is basically a semi-final,
4: so we'll talk about that later in the show, but it was Very good. Nice yours. Weekend action-packed. Yeah, well on a 50th on Saturday evening caught up with a few friends on Saturday Arvo uh, watched a bit of basketball Yes. saw the uh, the Kings progress through and well done to uh, New Zealand as well. Uh, yes. Jack jumpers are out so there was tears with fans and uh, they were inconsolable after that Tassie but they've done a magnificent job in the first couple of years in the NBL so watched a bit of that and then just sat on the couch crying all afternoon watching the cricket <laughs> like everyone else.
3: Yes. Yeah, so we'll talk about that as well uh the test cricket from india another loss to the aussies as i mentioned the wncl final, um semi-final basically at karen rolt noble sheffield shield started today in victoria uh, south australia taking on the vicks and that's a big game that's second playing third nbl finals you mentioned uh, kia top seven you've got a, a an interesting top seven for us tonight what are you going to go with
4: well, after one of the great uh, batting collapses from an Australian side, we'll explore the top seven batting collapses of <laughs> oh, all that's time. That's
3: awesome. Um, cricket journalist Gav Joshi will join us from India, give us his thoughts about the Test match. And the big man, the man with the golden arm that uh, pitched the Adelaide Giants to the Glaxons Shield, it's Todd Van Steensel. He's with, about to join the Australian side, and we'll speak to him as well, the big man. It's uh, looking forward to talk to him as well. And you can be part of the show. All you need to do, text in 0427 154 166 or give us a call, 1300 736 736. Time to get into the show. Let's uh, get on to our hot topic. Thanks to Char Time, the home of freshly brewed tea. Thirsty at Char Time? Explore our ready-made signature drink range inspired by Char Time fan faves.
0: Sports Day SA. Don't stop. 1323 and 1629
3: SENSA. Test match in India. We'll get through this reasonably quickly because we're going to speak to Gav Joshi later in the show. So we don't want to touch on it too much. But Australia lost by six wickets. Started the day yesterday, Coons, at one for 61. um, Looking to build maybe a 200 250 lead, which would have pretty much won in the test match, I
4: reckon. They lost nine for Mm -hmm. 48. To be bowled out for 114. For it was uh, nothing short of uh, disgusting. Watching it, it was just uh, uh, the re- the repetition in wickets and the lack of uh, a game plan that was uh, yeah. that could change or did change um, as the wickets tumbled and the sweeps kept sweeping. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> it was just oh my god! Lucky Mitch Swepson wasn't there; he would have got swept out of the building as well. But Mate, well maybe yeah, they needed was...
3: Alex Ross, the sweepologist. He Yes. He well, <laughs>
4: Oh god, it was just—it was so frustrating to watch. I mean, Travis Head, who, who looked really solid at the at the top of the order, looked like he might go on and make fifty uh, um, and even more, and got out yep. early uh, in the day, and that just that just started um, the free fall, and there was no uh, pushback whatsoever. It was. Um, it was a panicked Australian cricket team that just disintegrated. And uh, Alan Border said that there was a real lack of uh, mental fortitude with this group that just roll over when it gets tough, and the middle order are, um, are in a world of hurt at the moment. We understand that. Um, Top order, not, not, not going that much better. Usman Kawaja obviously, in, in test one was reasonably solid. And Travi Head looked good. Um, yes. Uh, with with David Warner out with concussion and also a fractured arm. So <clears throat> whether or not he retains that spot at the top of the order or Dave Warner comes back in, I think he can um, go into the next text, test match uh, if Davey's not there, feeling pretty confident that he can play a role with Usman there. Might be a
3: blessing in disguise for Dave Warner, I think. Because, a time out. Yeah, just a bit of time away. He said he was coming into this tour a bit exhausted, which in itself is a bit weird. But uh, um, it might just be the thing that Dave Warner needs to go back, have a couple of weeks away from cricket. I'm sure he wants to tour England, but maybe it's a bit of time now to think about whether he actually should do that.
4: Yeah, oh, oh, there's no doubt he'll, he'll go away and reassess if he still has um, the competitive edge in him to, to go over, which will be a pretty fierce Ashes series later on in the year. I mean, he, has he got one more in the tank before he retires or, or is that it? So uh, when you get a concussion and a, a fractured arm in the same test, it's it's never ideal, but um, it can shake you up a little bit. So, yeah, I'm not sure if David Warner will play in the next test or if he goes home. But I think the best thing for him would be to travel home, spend some time with his family, reassess where he's at and work out whether he's got one more push in him in England.
3: All right, I want to talk about move on. And, we, and again, we'll speak with Gav Joshi later in the show and a bit more in-depth about the test match. But it's, it was a bit ugly, so let's move on. Uh, WNCL, South Australia played Queensland yesterday at Karen rolton noble They needed – whoever won this game was going into the final to play Tasmania this coming Saturday in Hobart. It was a cracking jack game. Uh, South Australia bowled first. They bowled Queensland out for 2.23, which I always thought was a little bit short. Laura Harris made 50 off just 27. She was smoking them. It's it's the ball as hard as any man, Laura Harris. She is a beast. Uh,
4: 50
3: off 27 is good going. Yeah, so um, our girl Gemma Barsby, 3 for 30. Captain very well. Amanda Jade Wellington, 3 for 52. And South Australia just lost wickets all the way along. So 230, 223 ended up being quite a hard total to chase. Emma Bro was good with 70. She held the innings together. Maddie Penny, Penner came in with 38. And then the captain, Gemma Barsby, she had a good day. Three wickets and then... 32, including hitting the winning runs off the second ball of the final over. <laughs>
4: that's, a, that's a pretty handy afternoon, isn't yeah. it? Taking three for 30, good figures, good bowling, and then just to, to guide them home with the bat is an amazing display. So uh, up against Tassie in the final. Yeah, and it was just great to – it was just a great game of cricket. And hats off to the
3: South Australian Cricket Association as well. They had a bit of a function for all the past female cricketers The rep represented – South Australia, they had a cap presentation with their numbers. So the they did this for the men a month or so ago, and, and um, they had about 70 or 80 past players there, and they all got their red South Australian caps. So it was a world under the sacker.
4: Yeah, very nice. And uh, numbers on them too, I'm yes. presuming? Yeah, yeah. Numbers, very good.
3: numbers on the back. So each player got their number. Which they'd never had before, so it was, uh, yeah, again, fantastic. Oh, we got a caller on the line, Troy from WA. There, he um, he wants to talk about possibly Bancroft replacing Warner. Welcome to the show, Troy.
5: Tank Bonds and Adam Cooney. How are
4: you, boys? Hey, Troy. Yeah, good. Um oh, very serious,
5: Adam. That's very nice, <laughs> um, boys. <laughs> Um, the South Australian, they should be called the Redheads now, shouldn't they? The matches.
0: Uh, oh, well,
5: anyway, um, yeah. Um, bit of a whisper over this way. Now, a lot of the times you people think that we're behind.
0: But <laughs> you we're people. the ones running
5: the country, you know that. Bancroft mm. <laughs> um, is going to replace David Warner. How ironic is that? There's that comment, and Denovan, the situation with Denovan is, um, they're not doing the bloke any favours, boys, because I can guarantee, well, I can't guarantee it, but the high probability that he's, when he finishes footy career, and that Adam, you being in the circle and that, you'd know heaps that we don't even hear about having you know issues with drugs, alcohol, gambling, the lot, and as far as I'm concerned, the AFL are absolutely pee-weak, and all they're interested in protecting their brand, which I've said millions of times, and I still stand by it. They're not interested in, uh, like, just, you know, doing misdemeanours and that. And I've also heard Genevan's not um, – he could be a lot fitter, so sounds like he might have a few issues there.
4: Ooh. Ooh. Right. Well, I haven't seen uh, him training um, – over the last uh, few weeks, but you would expect that he'd be in, in reasonable shape. Now, we know that um, what what happened, the Torquay pub, which was uh, isolated from the rest of his teammates, he was actually with a, a separate group of, uh, of individuals and obviously uh, was quite drunk and uh, made a silly decision. Um, so he will have to pay for that and he looked pretty sheepish and you'd be certainly um, embarrassed uh, about his behaviour and... Um, the club has come out publicly and said that it's um, certainly not the culture of the Collingwood footy club, so you take that on its merit. Uh, it's a young kid who's made a mistake in my eyes and now will learn a, a really valuable lesson. Um, kids look up to um, AFL players and certainly Jack Inman, <laughs> the kids love him all around Australia, so uh, he'd be devastated by that and the decision that he made. He's got to live with that um, and move forward. Uh, I'm not uh, with the illicit. Drugs policy, there certainly needs to be some, some adjustment um, or a complete overhaul with it at the moment. I don't think it's um, it's completely working as it has been intended to do. There are loopholes here and there, and um, players can, can get away and get around um, the testing and things like that. So, uh, yeah, there are some, some overhauls needed with that, we understand. Um, going back to your Camp Bancrofts, um, Opening of uh, David Warner, that would be ironic, Troy, but I think Marcus Harris could be one um, who could open again. I know he's had uh, time at the top of the order and um, has failed, but or well, maybe Travis Head could be, could be the man. Uh, he showed that he can do it. He plays well in the subcontinent, um, and he's certainly not afraid to, to have a go. So I think there might be a couple ahead of Cam Bancroft at the moment.
3: Troy with his finger on the pulse there. He's uh, got Bancroft in. Um, I don't know if that's news or not. Well, that slipped past us <laughs> if, it, if it has. But, uh, yeah, look, I, it's so hard. Um, drugs are part of society uh, these days and it's, uh, you know, you can't make rules for some and rules for others. And it's a difficult situation that everyone's in. And let's just hope that the young man learns from his mistakes and, and never touches the stuff again because it's not good.
4: Don't Spot do on. drugs, kids. So, yeah, he will. He'll learn a valuable lesson. And just, uh, I suppose, the shame and, and the embarrassment of it um, is hopefully enough to put him on the straight. and narrow. what I will say is what sort of sick individual is filming someone in a toilet cubicle over the top of it in the first place? That in yep. itself is just... Disgusting. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I know it was probably just to, to uh, send to his mates or whatever, but I mean, where? No, where See, did, yeah. per- people, he should be arrested for that. Yeah,
3: the, yeah. social media, again, that's another big argument we could have uh, or discussion we could have. All right, um, coming up on the show, we've got your Kia top seven. Looking forward to that. Uh, Gav Joshi from India and Todd Steensel, the big man from the Adelaide Giants.
2: You're listening to Sports Day. For Kia, the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer.
3: Welcome back to the summer edition of Sports Day SA with Paul Bonza and Adam Cooney. We're on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Uh, Coons, um people are going to be part of the show, they can ring in just like Troy did in the first segment, uh, 1-300-736-736, or text us at 0427-154-166. It is time for the Kia Top 7, the Kia award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Sports Day SA. It's the final countdown. On Cruise
0: 1323 and 1629 SENSA.
3: All right, Keynes, your top
4: seven. What do you got for us? Top seven uh, batting collapses, but this one's more of a uh, bowling masterclass that comes in at okay. number seven. It was uh, the Aussies were playing West Indies in the series decider in Perth, 1992, and Curtly Ambrose absolutely tore through the Australians. First innings, he took nine wickets for 18 runs. Second innings... Took seven for twenty five, but he actually took seven wickets for one run. Yes, he did. <laughs> so he just and he destroyed Australia just about every time that uh, he came up against him. He was a scary man. Didn't uh, speak much, but let his bowling do the talking, and that was a an almighty uh, collapse for the Aussies out yeah, uh, in nineteen ninety two. Uh, number six is um, England versus Australia. This is going back to nineteen eighty one in Edgebaston. Mm. Australia looked home. Uh, Alan Border at the crease. They needed 46 runs to win with plenty of wickets in hand. The, England thought they were gone. They brought on a part timer, got a little bit of fizz, got the wicket of Alan Border from there, and almighty collapse. They lost their last six wickets for just 16 runs. Coming in at number five, I'm going to go with England versus Australia at Trent Bridge in 2015. This was day one of the test, and it was more of a Stuart Broad bowling masterclass. He took eight for 15 on that day at Trent Bridge. Australia all out for 60. Horrible yeah. stuff uh, horrible. back in the ashes in, in, in 2015. Uh, Australia versus South Africa in 2011 in Cape Town. This was a double collapse. There's, uh, Aussies made 284 and then 23 wickets fell in a single day of cricket. South Africa all out for 73. They lost their seven, seven wickets for 22 runs. And then Australia... Game in their hand went out and made 47 in their second innings uh, for an almighty batting collapse, and South Africa actually won that test. Uh, next up is England versus Australia, Adelaide, 2006. This is a good English one. They made 551 in their first innings. Australia did, weren't too far off, to be fair, uh, yep. batting, batting second. And this one looked like it was going to peter out into a draw. Two huge totals. Then England, well, that was 69 for one, travelling really well. They, they, were, they were searching for the draw. And then they lost nine wickets, for 60. All out for 129. Australia went on to win that game. Uh, 2-0, series up, and that was the end of the Ashes. Dave Hussey Uh, getting
3: the winning runs
4: on it. Yes. Spot on. Uh, Number two, I've gone with Aussie versus India uh, in Delhi. This one was uh, fresh in the minds because it was yesterday. Uh, It was was just horrible. Um, There was four, four wickets, for no runs uh, in that middle-order collapse there for the Aussies. So that was uh, one of the more embarrassing displays that we've seen from the Australian team in a long time. And number one, hard to go past this. This is not international. This is uh, this is right at home. This this hurts. <laughs> South Australia in 2004, a Shield game versus New South Wales. Nathan Bracken getting the job done, taking seven wickets of four. South Australia all out four, Bonds? 29. 29. (laughs) (laughs)
3: And hello to Wayne Phillips,
4: if you're listening. (laughs) Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, All right. So
3: we did have a caller, but he's decided that he doesn't want to speak to us anymore. Um, NBL, we should mention that. The final series is all set up. Uh, There's a bit of a break between the final series, but the Sydney Kings will play the Breakers in a five-game series starting on Friday the 3rd of March. Um, Who are you tipping here?
4: Well, I'm tipping Sydney. I mean, they've been the best team all year in the NBL and New Zealand have been around the mark so well done to them to to make it to the championship series they had a uh, horrible run of form throughout the sort of back end of the year final and just got it together and uh, playing some great basketball took care of the jack, jack jumpers pretty convincingly a uh, 15 point win so uh, I've, I've been with Sydney all along uh, I did say that the Cairns would no chance to uh, win game two Two, I believe it was, and yes. they did to send it to a decider. So, again, I apologise to the uh, Snakes fans out there, but I think Sydney too strong all over the court.
3: Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think New Zealand are on a bit of a mission. I, I want to give credit to the Breakers. They had – basically they, they haven't been home for two years. They've been playing out of a hotel. Yeah. They got locked out of their country. Um, and then to go from bottom when, you know, that was they had the h- toughest run ever – to go from <laughs> bottom, then to be in the finals the following year. It's hats off to uh, Matey Magdor
4: and his team. Um, yes,
3: well, I, hold on. I, I hope the Breakers get over the Kings.
4: Yeah, it would be a sort of fairy tale story, wouldn't it? The Kings have been the powerhouse team all year. No one really uh, expected the Breakers to make it this far. So, mm. yeah, it would be a fairy tale victory. And I think, um, I think we'd be reasonably pleased if they got it done. Speaking about collapses, Coons, <laughs> just have a look at the Shield score. Uh, Victoria, all out for
3: 169. Matt Short made 70. He's still batting well. Uh, where's Agar got five for 50. Uh, at Stumps, South Australia, five for 75. Oh, no.
4: So, that's, Hunter, that's a reasonable score they could get over the top of, too, but no, it's a, it's a uh, typical Redbacks collapse. Four-day four game um, could be over in two days. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> One and a half days, she could be all done. Not good. All
3: right, coming up on the show, Gav Joshi from India and Australian and Giants pitcher Todd Van Steensel, all here on the summer edition of Sports Day SA.
2: You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV, available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Welcome back to the Summer Edition
3: of Day SA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Paul Bonser with you and alongside Adam Cooney, who's over there in Melbourne, but uh, still making a good deal of it here out of his bedroom. Going well, how you keen <laughs> Just
4: chipping away, just Bons. chipping just away. Chipping as away. As you are. I think this is my it's my my last show, as I mentioned earlier. So it'll be a, a touch of sadness uh, when I hang up the mic tonight. Yes, well, we'll have a bit of a chat about that afterwards.
3: Uh, but we got a big guest, and we, this is a big man. He is a big man with a big arm, and he's brought to us by Tire Power. Think safety this February. Get your five minute tire safety check at your local Tire Power.
0: Sports Day SA. The Cruise
3: 1323 and 1629 SENSA. From the Adelaide Giants and from the Australian baseball team now, it's Todd Van Steensel, uh, pitcher extraordinaire. Welcome to the summer edition of Sports ASA,
2: Todd.
3: Hey guys, thanks for having me. Now, first question I've got for you um, are the Claxton Shield celebrations still going?
1: (laughs) I'm still riding that high, but I think because uh, some people have had to go
3: back to work, they've had to turn it down a bit. (laughs) <laughs> so you, you just keep going and uh, just keep raising a glass to that beautiful shield.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying this hype for as long as I can. That's for sure.
4: Well, you were the man. The, the ball was on your arm. Uh, I saw some wild celebrations on your Instagram just before having a, a little flick through about that final pitch. Uh, just talk us through it and the moments leading up to that. I, it's
1: pretty wild. People have asked me about it. And because I've thought about it so much in my entire life, you know, getting that last out in the Clarkson Shield final, it felt like I had been there before. So it was just like reliving a dream that I've just had to been lucky enough to actually live through.
3: What about Was there anything that sticks in your mind about that game? Is there one moment? Is it is it that last pitch? Or is there anything else that sticks in your mind about that game in particular?
1: I'll have to – it goes down to the catcher, Kirion, Anthony Kirion. In the, uh, in the eighth inning, we're up by one and a ball hit to right field and he went first to home and he was like – he could probably outrun Usain Bolt that he was going that quick and that just sticks in my mind. And then in the ninth inning, he made an unbelievable catch that set the tone to – Uh, pretty much, you know, put us in the driver's seat.
3: Could be the best catch I've ever seen on a baseball field, regardless of whether it's major league or whatever. It was an unbelievable catch running uh, towards the opposition bunker, and uh, it was amazing. Backhanded, sliding, out of control. uh, It was amazing.
1: I agree, and I got got a front row seat to it. So uh, you you only imagine my excitement when I saw him catch it.
4: It uh, was awesome. So um, we uh, we caught up with the GM. May have been the day after when all the players had gathered at the pub. There was uh, some rowdy characters in the background. I'm assuming that you were one of those characters. How how long? And you mentioned you're still rolling. Some some of the guys had to go back to work, but um, the, the 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 first sort of two or three days after, I am assuming, are the most enjoyable after you win a championship. My chosen sport, unfortunately, never got there. So uh, just the, the the feeling and the group, the camaraderie. Um, tell us about just the, the couple of days after the game
1: Uh, it was kind of weird because guys actually had to fly back to the u.s and fly back home so we had to make the most of our short time together so we got together on the monday got together on the tuesday got together on the wednesday had our celebrations and said our goodbyes
3: well you spent some time with the phillies and the twins organizations tell us a little bit about your experience experience playing ball in the states
1: uh, it's it's a lot different to uh, playing baseball in Australia, that's for sure. We play on the field six seven days a week. We might get two three days off uh, during the month, and it's honestly it's a grind. It's a more of a mental grind than a physical grind. And you know, I was lucky enough to do it for about seven eight years.
4: What did they? What what was some of the the feedback about your game as to why you didn't quite get to the majors? Uh,
1: I never got a real answer from it, and sometimes you don't want to find out the answer because <laughs> they're always not exactly honest with you when they they tell you they blow smoke up your backside
4: ass, for lack of a better word <laughs> yeah okay so you, yeah you feel like you, you didn't uh, quite get the feedback that you they needed to improve oh, it's, that's sort of disappointing well, how did you get into the game growing up as a kid I mean um, traditional pathways in Australia are uh, football uh, and more football and football and a little bit of soccer thrown in there but how, how did you get into the game growing up and what was your pathway through
1: so funnily enough, I'd never heard of baseball before. No idea. And uh, my parents wanted my brother to play a summer sport. And his soccer teammates said, hey, come play baseball. Mom and dad said, hey, Todd, do you want to play? And I said, no, what's baseball? So they left me out of it. <laughs> then I went to my brother's practice and saw the uniform. And I was like, I want that. And then mom and dad were like, well, you have to play. So I started playing because I like the uniform.
3: <laughs> All right. Speaking of uniforms, I gotta, I, I, I'm going to ask this question. I've been hanging on to this question for a while and I was – when we knew we were going to speak to you, I couldn't wait. Um, Todd, I want to ask you about your pants. Because baseball, you my bas- my well, well, basically they're shorts. And this has changed from baseball. <laughs> They've gone to below the knee to the full length. And yours are now basically shorts with very long socks. You could call them stockings. Uh, what, is this just a fashion statement or is it a comfort thing for you? It's,
1: it's a more of a comfort thing. I'm very particular on how I wear my uniform and how I like to feel on the field. The, uh, the feedback hasn't been all that great on the shorts, but I like to tell people at least you don't have to wear them. So, you know. And I've actually got a no. few guys on the Giants wearing baseball shorts now, too. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I like it. I I think you're you're setting a new trend and it'll catch on. It's a bit like Crocs. No one thought Crocs were cool uh, when they were first invented. And now everyone's wearing Crocs. So I think you're starting something new and I like it. What are your your plans for uh, next year? Are you staying at the Giants? Want to go back to back? What's the future got in store for you?
1: Yeah, I'll be back at the Giants. It's going to be a bit weird heading into spring training, having a the defending champions tag on our back, but we're looking forward to going back-to-back and defending it.
3: they you've just come off a exhibition uh, game, over <laughs> a couple of games over the weekend against uh, Korean powerhouse, the Doosan Bears. Uh, How would you go over the weekend?
1: I actually uh, didn't get to go play in it. There was a bit of a miscommunication, uh, and okay. I couldn't head down to Sydney, but I watched the games on the stream, and, you know, the boys I played in were pretty competitive.
3: So that, was that going to be a warm-up to before you jet off to Japan for, to yeah, be I'll part of that? Yeah, it would be a good chance to face
1: some really good hitters, but it just wasn't meant to
3: be. Right, okay.
4: Well, you do have that the big tournament coming up, the World Baseball Classic. You're, uh, you've got a, uh, some pretty handy opposition in your group. Uh, when do you all get together? When do you take off uh, as a side? You've, you have some pretty familiar faces in too with about half the team is uh, Adelaide Giants players and a couple of coaches thrown in there as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, we're not going to have to look too far to find a friend. But um, we, we leave Wednesday morning. We fly to Singapore and then Singapore to Tokyo. And then it's pretty much a, a full-on schedule after that.
3: What about the uh, the group you're in, the World Baseball Classic? Uh, is it a considered a tough group? Who are the teams in your group that you need to beat to go to the next step in the tournament?
1: Well, the powerhouses in our group are obviously Japan and Korea. They've been ranked in the top five of... The world for the last few years yep. so they're going to be our big opposition you know china are going to look up to a rebound better from the 2017 wbc and the czech republic uh you know wow. it's their first tournament so they're going to you know really try and put on a show
4: so i'm going to put down wins uh against the czech republic i'm going to say you'll beat china pretty comfortably and then you've got a do you have to take a, a scalp of either korea or japan to progress through
1: yeah, that, that's really going to be it. It's going to who who comes out to win winning those games to see who advances. You know, we, we think we might just have to win one of them to advance, but if we win both, it'll make life a lot easier for us.
3: So, do you just play each team once in your group, and then progress that's, that's on to the next stage?
1: That's correct. You got to finish top two in the group. Play each team once. <laughs>
4: Yeah. And there'll be a, a fair crowd, I would say, being in Tokyo on the, the number one ranked team in the world, the Japanese. Uh, could be 50,000 plus. Are you looking forward to playing in front of a big crowd like that?
1: Yeah, people always uh, worry to get nervous pitching in front of those big crowds, but I think it's going to be a bit more nerve-wracking when you pitch in front of 100 people when we play against Czech Republic. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, so, is it going to go from maybe fifty thousand to a uh, thousand? Is that what you're thinking when you're playing against the Czech yeah, Republic? It's, it's,
1: it's kind of like a ghost town in that stadium when we play Czech Republic.
3: Wow, <laughs>
1: wow. I think that's going to be a bit more nerve wracking than fifty thousand people.
3: So, is there, <laughs> how does there is there like team motivation then? It's about getting off the bench and helping your team.
1: It's just uh, doing what's called of you when your name's been, uh, yeah. you know, called out. Step up when it's your turn and, you know, do your best, basically.
4: And, uh, well, as we mentioned, you've got about half the team that are Adelaide Giants, so there's some familiar faces in there. But are there a few in your side or maybe some others that will assemble in the group that you're maybe not looking forward to hanging out with too much? Who's the who's going to be the pest on the team that just annoys everyone over there? Uh,
1: you're definitely not going to get me to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not falling into that trap.
4: <laughs> I thought you might have gone with Geordie McArdle <laughs> or someone. <laughs> Too much respect. Uh,
3: okay. uh, what about okay. you moving over? Oh, you were going to dob someone in then, weren't you? Yeah, you've yeah, got to give us one. I,
1: can, I think I can say Rickson. Okay. Rickson Wingrove.
3: Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think most would agree with you there. Rickson's just yeah. a, a bit, yeah, can be a bit annoying at times, I'm sure. Well, we all can. <laughs> um, now, before we let you go, uh, obviously wearing the green and gold, how much pride does that fill you with?
1: Mate, every time I get to put it on, it never gets old, you know. Every time these teams get named, it's always exciting to your name called out. So you never take something like this for granted.
3: All right. Look, wear those shorts with pride and yes. uh, the green and gold with pride, and I'm sure you'll have a great tournament and hopefully get through the next round and and uh, uh, go well and go well to all your Giants teammates as well. Thanks, mate. Todd Van Steensel from the Adelaide Giants, the Claxton Shield-winning Adelaide Giants, and he's off to play for Australia in the World Baseball Classic with every country, basically the top countries around the world. And the tournament starts in Japan and then finishes in Florida, Coons.
4: Nice. Mm. So it's a little bit of travel for the, the lads as well. And I guarantee you that the uh, Todd Band Steensel shant, we'll call them, which is a half short, half pant, <laughs> will catch on after this tournament. And everyone will be wearing it around the world soon. You've sort of got some on now, haven't you? You've gone. Oh, yeah. Little... Well, I, I don't have any <laughs> shants on. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, he's a he's such a powerful man, and he's got a unique big style. Unit. You would have seen he he points the elbow at the batter, tucks the glove under yeah. his arm, yeah, points like the elbow it. at the batter, and his uh, unique style. He's a big man, but he throws a You know, big man, and throws hundred miles an hour. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I wouldn't
4: want to be. Uh, wouldn't want to be facing up to that. No, not at all.
3: Um, let's uh, let's go to our next guest. Um, It's uh, Gav Joshi, live from India. So um, he's brought to us by Toolkit Depot, New Gear. uh, Sorry, New Year means New Gear at Toolkit Depot. Toolkit Depot, your one-stop shop to get back on the tools. Sports
0: Day SA. We will, we will rock you. On Cruise 1323 and 1629
3: SENSA. Gav Joshi, welcome back to the summer edition of Sports Day SA.
0: Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. I've heard um, Adelaide's still warmer
3: than India today. What's going on? <laughs> it's a nice balmy 38 here today, and we've got about three days uh, getting up over 40 in the next uh, by sort of Wednesday here. So, yeah, a bit warm, but that's okay. You're you're loving it uh, over there in India, aren't
0: you? Oh, I think the humidity is close to 95%, but wow. apart from that, the temperature are about the same. So, I think I'll still prefer Adelaide. All right.
3: right. There's a bit of a shock uh, coming off the back of yesterday and Australia just collapsing to be bowled out for 113. They lost nine for 48.
0: What were your initial thoughts watching? Initial thoughts were they've got a a plan and they're going to stick to the plan and it's (laughs) lack of adjustment and that's pretty much it. You you felt like, okay, we're going to attack, but you got to see where the ball is, um, and they, I don't think they played on the merit of the ball, and that was a big problem. Yes, it's fine to have preconceived ideas, and Pat Cummins said this after the first test. Maybe you know we need to make sure that even having preconceived ideas, we need to be a little bit mindful, but they did really well in the first innings. I thought Australia was so far in front of the game, scoring 270 on that pitch, and having India mm-hmm. 7 for 130, but... Yeah, oh, that I mean, collapse. You just you knew you always felt it collapses around the corner. But every about three or four of our batters, it just felt like they were going to get out every ball. And I oh, never sensed that with the Australian cricket team for a long time now, possibly until you know even twenty thirteen when they were whitewashed in, uh, in in India back then. But this looked really a fragile batting unit.
4: Yeah, uh, it was a fragile batting unit, and we'll get onto that just quickly. But uh, well, I suppose we we should mention the, the match-saving innings from Aksar Patel and also Ravi Ashwin, who chipped in with 37. I mean, you meant what they like, seven for 139 at one stage, and that. And it looked like test match over Australia right back into the series, but just steadied the ship, those two, and turned out that was a, a match-winning uh, partnership between those two. Oh, massive. And I think even Bharat's been saying it, I've been saying it when I, you guys have
0: had me on, that it's the India's depth. And if you just look at the trend around the test matches around the world, like six, seven, and eight have become so pivotal um, in test matches, home or away. And, and these guys India know how to bat in these conditions, their techniques, even in their lower order, seem to be superior than some of the Australian batsmen. And you're right, Akshay Patel, I mean, he does not get enough credit in this test match because he is predominantly a bowler. But his innings in Nagpur, and, and again in Delhi, have probably been the, the pivotal innings that have changed the course of the... The match in India's favor, and you're right. I mean, at trailing by you know 120 odd with three wickets in hand, mm. it felt like Australia's going to get a lead of 350, and India's going to be completely against the ball, But things changed very quickly in India.
3: Yeah, he was, he was excellent, and he probably could uh, bat four for Australia in the next test if we can just rush through his paperwork. <laughs> um, well, I, it was just some of the shots played in the second innings by the Australians. It was a bit like village cricket. There was just some ridiculous oh. sweep shots. What was the fascina- fascination with the sweep shot with the Aussies, you think?
0: I think the best sweep, sweeping we saw on day three was once the test match was over and all the ground staff mm-hmm. came on, they started sweeping the pitch. I think that's the <laughs> best thing we saw. Um, but they're not some of the – like Matty Renshaw, he's not a natural sweeper. Um, you know, Alex Carey likes to sweep, but he, from what I heard, you know, he, he was – been told is, you know, about six months ago in Sri Lanka that there needs to be an alternative option um, for him, because if the sweep shop is blocked, what are you going to play? And I thought Matty Hayden was perfect in his commentary. He said it's fine, and Maddie Hayden, you know, nearly won us the series back in 2001 playing the sweep shot. And he said, it's fine to play the sweep, but you know not need to either sweep online or length. And especially sweep shot becomes productive and there's good bounds. When it's a low skidding kind of pitch, like the one in Delhi, it becomes difficult to sweep because the bat, the ball can go under the bat and you can't, you have to sweep online rather than length, and that's what they got caught up on. But it's, if the shot is not natural, getting players to play it, like Steve Smith's a big example of it. I mean, when he scored that hundred in Pune and a ranked Turner, he barely swept. So why is he sweeping here? And I think <laughs> that just tells me that you know there's a bit of like um, there's mixed messages, not just by the coaching staff, but in, in the players' mindset as well.
4: So. You mentioned they had a plan. They stuck to it. But everyone sitting at home watching could see that this was going to be the undoing of the Australian innings. The, the, the sweeps, the reverse sweeps, sweeping on middle stump, which is fraught with danger. If you miss the ball, you're going to get out LBW. So, I mean, we could all see at home, how could they not have made those adjustments up and the, in the box, when the, I mean, the players are watching and then Pat Cummins comes on and plays one of the worst shots we've seen uh, all summer. I mean, that was just outrageous from a captain, let alone anyone when the side is in strife. So you mentioned the plans. How, how can they not adjust on the run? Is that coaching? Is that just a player driven thing? What, what do you think went wrong? Oh, I think it's a bit of panic, um, and it's a mixture of er- everything else. Uh,
0: technically, I've said it from after f- the first test match, yeah, and you said it, and you know, Alex, actually, Patel could probably bat at number four for Australia. That's because he can trust his defense. You, you have to be innovative, even at someone like Alex Kerry. We know he scored a quick fire 35 in the first innings of the first test, but you've got to be able to trust your defense. Now, yes, Pat Cummins played a big, you know, it was village cricket, but that was a straight ball. All you need to do is put your foot down and, and literally put your head over the ball and block it. It was this very, but there's a lack of belief in the defense. So I think from what I've heard as well, over in India, there seems to be so much emphasis on how to score uh, uh, rather than saying, okay, back your defense guys. Cause if you can keep the good ball out, you will get the poor one. Yes. The Indian spin bowling attacks. Good, but There seems to be no focus on the defense. The only guys who seem to be able to defend the ball is probably Martin Lubbershane, and and, and to an extent, well, Travis Head showed it when he opened the batting. But apart from that, the defense is just not adequate, and I don't think they've worked hard enough on it, or the coaches have not focused on it enough. It seems to be like, work out a method to score and we'll succeed. It worked in the first innings, but you need alternative options. You need plan B, and I don't think India, uh, Australia have plan B or plan C for the um, for the matter. I
3: want to ask you about Dave Warner, uh, replaced in with concussion protocols and also now has a fractured bone in his arm. Is that the end of Dave Warner's test career?
0: Well, from what I've just been heard, um, he's, he's going to get an assessment. He's not leaving the Tories yet, but there is going to be an assessment on his fitness, whether he continues. Look, to be fair, I think his place is in jeopardy as well, and if he's got a bruised arm, he's probably on the way home. What I find intriguing is David has also said leading into the test before he went to India that he's been fatigued. Now, that, that's not a great mindset to go to you know, India, one of the toughest places to bat. So you wonder what his mindset's like and doesn't have a great record in England. Um, you know, Travis Head might open in sort of the third test. Where does he but There's other mm. options. Marcus Harris, I think, is going to play England, uh, playing county cricket in England. So, look, I think it's a tough decision. I, I still think he'll end up going to England, but I think he's on very thin ice.
3: Is Tra- well, just further to that, then do you believe Travis Head is the man to take
0: Dave Warner's place at the top of the order? In the subcontinent, it seems logical. He's batted beautifully. I mean, his innings on the second night put Australia in command, I thought, Um, and just the way he addressed the new ball. um, And the good thing about Trav is he actually backed his defence, what some of the other players didn't. And you didn't see Travis head sweeping a lot. You didn't see him reverse sweeping. He, He sort of used his feet, danced down the pitch, which is a little bit like what the Indian the batsman did as well. So I, I think it's a good choice to have someone like Travis Head and give Australia that rapid start, perhaps. And we know how quickly and briskly he can score. He's good against the shortboard. Um, I think the way he played the Indian spinners in the second test, i would be very tempted to just open with Travis Head in the third and fourth test match.
4: What changes do you make to the side? So Head, head will open the batting if David Warner is unfit with a concussion and arm. Do, do you uh, make any other changes? Would you bring... Uh, um, Seema back in? Well, I mean, are they fit? I believe Josh
0: Hazelwood's going to head back home. The only option is Mitchell Stark. Um, and, and what spinner are you going to get? Is the two-off going to work? I don't think Kooneman worked. I think he's a good bowler. Uh, but I just don't I think there was too much pressure. Uh, just going back to the point, guys, about you mentioned coaching. Um, Danny Vittori's the bowling coach. Now, if he hasn't been able to get Ashton Agar right what are the chances Matt Kuhneman's going to go across there and succeed in a test match, which is something I find very puzzling. Uh, so I, Australia might just have to bank on a bit of pace bowling. I know they've gone for the spin option, uh, but look, start, uh, Cummins have to play, um, and uh, to Nathan Lyon, and look, if Cam Green comes in, you might just have to still play with Murphy. I still think Murphy looked... It was a little bit disappointing, uh, but I think you've still got to play maybe even two offies, because I don't think Kooneman's got it. Uh, if, if Swetson does end up in India, I have a feeling that he'll get, he'll get a game, uh, but we're waiting to see, in, I think on Wednesday we'll get a confirmation if Swetson does come across in India. If he plays, I think Australia might just have to, you know, play the leg spinner because they're running out of options pretty quickly. All right,
3: Gav, before we let you go, uh, you and Barat have written a book about India's win in Australia.
0: Tell us a little bit about your book. Yeah, mate. It's uh, Look, it it was one of the, you know, Played in COVID times, <laughs> India border band and 60. And importantly, there weren't many journalists, well, no one from an Indian angle to cover it. And lucky, Bharat and I were there. We were crossing border towns that sort of hiding and waiting to get confirmations <laughs> from, you know, ministries to see if we can cross into New South Wales. We got a lot of great insights from the Indian camp as well, from the Australian camp. It was one of the most epic series played. I don't think we're going to get a series like that. Maybe forever, um or maybe I'm just trying to sell the bookie uh, but uh, uh, it, it, it... <laughs> <laughs> but, look, it was just an epic series. There's some great insights on how India planned for it. Um, and But they were so quick to think on their feet and how it caught Australia off guard. It's it, it's one of the remarkable stories. And it's, the book is called The Miracle Makers, uh, Indian Cricket's Greatest Epic. But, look, there's lots of good stuff in there. And, you know, if you're an Australian, it's worthwhile getting to just... You can also see a little bit of different mindset between Indian cricket and Australian cricket in that as well. And, of course, written by, you know, who I call... Maybe the future mayor of um, Norwood, perhaps in the resin. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gav. Uh, look,
3: appreciate your time. Have a great, uh, have a great couple of weeks over there, and enjoy the rest of the tour. And um, thanks for joining us on the summer edition of Sports Day SA. No problems, guys. Thanks for having me on, Gav Joshy. There, live from India, Coons. We've just about run out of time. Th- thanks for joining us across the summer. It's been great. Um, and you- you've got
4: no more shows with us. That's it. Can't I'm squeeze done. in uh, another day somewhere? <laughs> no, but I'll be over <laughs> in Adelaide uh, next week. Okay. So I might might pop in and, and say hello to the boys. And uh, No, it's been a pleasure filling in every now and then. So thanks for the opportunity. Thank you, my friend.
3: Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure working with you. All right, that's uh, that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Dan Menzel in the chair next to me. And this has been the summer edition of Sports Day
2: You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer.